Hey, this is Dan, and thanks for tuning in to the podcast where I talk legal stuff with lawyers that I know, like, and trust. I hope you find the information really useful, and if you need legal help, that you reach out to one of these lawyers directly or drop by lawbydan.com, and I can steer you in the right direction. Here is your podcast. You might be surprised, but the numbers of people injured on flights, both in Australia and overseas, is relatively high. In this context, it's not, of course, always related to plane crashes. Well, to find out more, I'm with David Ford, a personal injury lawyer from BPC Lawyers, who is an expert in aviation matters. David, what types of injuries do people typically sustain on flights? I think the best uh, response to that is that of recent times, I have been involved in a number of cases where I've acted for uh, passengers that have been scalded by hot coffee or hot tea and sustained in, in, in two, two cases, second degree burns. Wow, that's fairly significant. What, what, what about sort of, you know, other, other injuries typically that occur on flights? Like I'm, I'm assuming people might trip over, they might go to, you know, to the lavatory or the bathroom and, and, and slip and fall. Do you see that type of thing uh, occurring? My experience in, in my previous cases has, has been more so that a passenger has got up from their seat to, to either go to the bathroom or perhaps stretch their legs, and there's been no warning that there's turbulence about to uh, be encountered, and therefore the seatbelt sign has not come on. And I know of one example where a lady was uh, left her seat to go to the bathroom, there, there was uh, no warning as such, and the and the plane uh, did hit quite severe turbulence, and as a consequence, she ended up fracturing her ankle, uh, and that ca- that case was uh, settled. Each case depends, of course, on its facts, um, and I've always said to uh, not only my clients but also my friends and family members, it's always wise to have your seatbelt face fastened at all times. Anyway, when you are on an aeroplane during the journey. David, now you probably should mention that um, you know this these type of uh, accidents uh, and, and potential action, legal action that that might arise. It's always predicated on that whole basis of negligence, isn't it? You know, trying to be able to prove that uh, you know the airline uh, in this case was negligent and uh, did not take the appropriate steps to you know minimise a foreseeable risk. Is is that how it, it works? That is correct. Look, you, you must prove negligence. Um, um, the, the, the definition, um, uh, you know, of, of a uh, an accident um, is, is that it, it it's an injury must be caused by an unusual or unexpected event or happening that is external to the passenger. But yes, you you must prove negligence. I, I can give a, a good example of a, another case that I had several years ago, where uh, my client uh, was with his wife um, on a uh, journey to a flight to Bangkok and they were joined uh, uh, by a passenger from um, sitting behind them who was quite frankly a little bit intoxicated and uh, quite uh, boring in his conversation and he was drinking from his duty-free bottle of bourbon which you're not allowed to do uh, on a plane and uh, the uh, air hostess I think at one stage observed that but didn't say anything to the gentleman. Long story short there was a, f- a fight in- ensued when they told this chap to go back to his seat and he hit my client over the head with a bottle of bourbon. It wasn't a big case as such, but it was certainly resolved because that's another example of where the airline should have taken steps to uh, minimise the risk to that particular passenger um, from being assaulted by a fellow passenger. That's another example. 
David, now listen, in, in relation to jurisdiction, um, I, I'm just uh, you know thinking that how does jurisdiction play out? So if you you know board a flight here in, uh, in say in Sydney and you're on uh, route to uh, Los Angeles and um, a debacle happens uh, somewhere in between, where does the jurisdiction lie? Look, the, ju- the jurisdiction lies in the fact that, that um, uh, Australia a- a- is a, a symmetry to the Montreal Convention and um, we have adopted uh, that uh, protocol um, which sets out how people, well, a number of issues in relation to, to air travel, but certainly Article 17 deals with uh, uh, the, the basis upon which you can make a claim for damages. If you are, are for example, I've had clients that were, uh, injured um, four hours out of Dubai, but they they left um, uh, Sydney or Brisbane or a, any metro, a major city in, in Australia. That's where the jurisdiction comes from. It's uh, pursuant to the Montreal Convention and the fact that you you embarked or, or, or even in the process of disembarking upon a uh, an Australian city. I have set out on our BPC website a uh, very good summary of of the reason why you are entitled to make a claim pursuant to the Montreal Convention. So any client that uh, needs to, to uh, seek that information can go to our website and see that particular article written. Now, David, uh, in relation to you know more catastrophic uh, injuries sustained in uh, in accidents, um, how do they play out? I, I'm assuming it's the same sort of regime? Look, it is. I uh, was not involved um, to any great extent, but I did assist... Um, a solicitor um, who was involved in seeking compensation for um, parties that had family members on the MH370, the Malaysian uh, aeroplane that disappeared in the South Pacific Ocean. And uh, also uh, that particular lawyer uh, was also involved in claims involving the MH370. 17 uh, Malaysian flight that was shot down over the Ukraine. Basically, those those sorts of cases are, are what is known as similar to compensation to relatives claim, where you, you can claim damages for the fact that you had um, a person or family member on the plane who, um, because of their um, untimely death, uh, you've suffered, you know, consequentially a financial loss. So those are the sort of claims that can be involved if someone therefore is uh, well in, unfortunately all those um, passengers were were deceased but if uh, if as a consequence of some negligence there was uh, um, a death on the plane that similar sort of claim can be made now david time limitations in relation to these types of matters is fairly strict uh, that that is a very important um, question. Um, the answer simply is this. You have two years from the date of the incident in which to commence proceedings seeking uh, seeking compensation under the Montreal Convention. That time limit cannot be extended. It is a, um, it is a definitive period. Now, what about uh, seeking legal advice very early? Look, again, th- th- that's a very important question. Um, in all cases where, where you have to prove negligence, and you'd be surprised, even where you think it, it's a case, where, a clear-cut case, where, where the insurer, the, uh, well, it is the insurer of the airline, but where the airline is liable, it is so important that you do contact um, uh, a solicitor as, as soon as possible because the the event, if, for example, 
Um, one of the uh, clients that acted for that sustained quite serious second-degree burns, it was very important that I got um, a statement from not only the husband but uh, or the father but also the mother as to the circumstances around the accident because uh, they were very much upset and distressed at the time of the accident and it was important to get the factual uh, background in relation to the accident from them while it was fresh in their mind. It, 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 look, it's just tried to say um, after being in the practicing in this jurisdiction for nearly 40 years is that uh, no matter how good your memory is, um, your memory will to a certain extent fade, um, especially if it's been quite a, uh, a traumatic type experience. And not only that, it may well be that um, in addition to the immediate family members, um, they may have been provided with contact telephone numbers of other people that witnessed um, the incident. And it is always important uh, in any case, uh, to to talk to independent witnesses, to uh, to find out their recollection and record that recollection, as uh, quite frankly the courts tend to uh, accept, I think more readily sometimes in circumstances such as that, the, the evidence of indep independent witness who's got no um, actual financial interest in the outcome of the case. The choice of a lawyer is important as well. I mean, given that this is a bit of a, a specialist area of law, isn't it, within the within the realms of personal injury law generally. It is. It's it it it's far more specialised in, in in the sense that the the liability questions are, are important and have to be determined. Um, the actual quantum of damages, most good personal injury lawyers are able to put that together. But I, I think the best way to answer the question is is that there are a number of firms that that do act on behalf of the insurance companies uh, of these airlines and and. You tend to get, I think, um, a bit of an understanding as to um, their modus operandi, um, who you're dealing with, and uh, it's a, it, it's a persistence, I think, if you do regularly practice in the area as opposed to someone uh, who's, who's uh, attempting to make one of these claims on, uh, on their first occasion. David, thanks for joining me. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can find me on all social channels, including Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube with the handle Law by Dan, or simply drop by lawbydan.com. Thanks.